You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, it's the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, covering down on all of the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is, uh, oh, it is Wednesday. It is that day. It is the It is the middle of the week. It is Boomer on the board, and it's Camel Day. Hit it. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. <laughs> Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, makes me laugh. Um, so, yeah. Hey, congratulations. You are there. You are halfway to the weekend. I feel like we just said that. Like it, just, like it was just... I, I feel that way, too. Just week. That's okay. It was... It feels like it was just a week ago that we played that. <laughs> anyway, hey, congratulations on getting halfway through your week, and we'll get you all the way through to Friday. Uh, listen, we got a great show, and that is the Boomer on the board. Hey, buddy, how you hey, doing? Hey, doing good. Ready for the show. How was little man's baseball practice? Hey, you know what? He he did well. He got all of his hits and ground balls and got people out, so couldn't be more proud. Okay. Come on. <laughs> All right. Good enough. Uh, hey, we got a whole lot of stuff for you. Four o'clock today, the Grand Council. Every Wednesday, four o'clock, the Grand Council with my brethren, Dale Jackson and Jeff Poor. We get on here and we ping each other with questions and just kind of figure out whether we three conservatives see it all eye to eye. Uh, so, yeah, Grand Council, four o'clock. You don't want to miss it. And then there's that triple dipper full of stuff. So hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So, number one, broken windows. You've heard the theme before, the, 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 the theory, if you will, that the broken windows theory of, of policing, that if you allow certain small crimes like broken windows to go unabated, that they turn into bigger crimes. And so you got to stop the little crimes in order to help mitigate the bigger crimes. Uh, we're seeing it left and right right now that people are sick of broken windows being ignored. And it's coming out even in the polls. So we'll talk about all of that. Number one on the triple dipper, broken windows. Number two, got to do this periodically. There is so much happening in the world that is not getting enough attention. And I want to make sure that we are constantly informing. So a walk in Biden's world. And it's a it's a security issue everywhere you look. So we're going to talk about things happening in the Middle East, things happening even on our own soil, things happening with uh, NATO, things happening with North Korea, all of it, a walk in Biden's world. So stay tuned for that one. And then number three, ah, I'm just calling it the ism schism. The ism schism. So what in the world is that? So every every if you notice that liberals, every single one of them's got them an ism. You got a racism, a classism, an ableism, an ageism, whatever. Everybody's got their own ism, and the ism creates a schism. And so I'm just saying we're going to go through some of it and poke fun because you know what? Can't we just have a grown-up conversation without there having to be an ism involved? How about this? Some of what you're screaming ism over may actually just be true. We'll deal with it. The ism schism number three on the triple dipper. 
All right, now let me move over to my comments here, and and I gotta, I gotta tell you, is this some of this sprang up out of a conversation I had with Charlene this morning, um, but I'll start by saying this: back in the early days of the war in Iraq, I remember once being on a patrol in central Baghdad. It was a foot patrol. We called them presence patrols because they were designed just to show everybody that we were there and that we were unafraid of walking through the streets of the enemy's territory. So I had been on any number of missions in those same streets. You know, we had cordon and searches, we had raids, we had guarding key infrastructure. But a presence patrol was, it was something different. By its very nature, the intent of a presence patrol was to make our presence known and to actually talk to people on the streets. I mean, it's amazing what you can find out when you just stop at a corner bazaar or the cafe and you ask somebody how they're doing. I'll never forget, though, on one occasion, talking with a man through my interpreter, and he told me what it had been like to live under Saddam Hussein. He told me about people who disappeared in the night, about having to be careful about what you said. But then he told me a story, an anecdote that I have never forgotten. He said he could distinctly remember that one day one of Saddam's sons, Uday Hussein, a man who was known for his brutality and his complete indifference to life, that Uday Hussein, he told me, had brought a tiger from the Baghdad Zoo and turned it loose in a local cafe just to see what it would do to people. He told me the story and then he kind of shrugged as if to say, And that was that. No one could do anything about it, and there was never going to be any consequences. And it was probably true. Life under Saddam was just one tragic event after another for many Iraqis, and there was a sense that you just went from one bad story to another and hoped that one day it would get better. But the swirl of negative news for folks in Saddam's Iraq was often so constant that the idea of accountability just fell by the wayside. I mean, can you imagine living in a world where those in power just did what they wanted with complete impunity and there was never any shred of consequences. Well, I was reminded about that story this morning as I was preparing to leave the house. Charlene and I were talking, and she was giving me some insight on her thoughts about current events. I mean, y'all, I so married up. But she made the point that currently, under the Biden administration, that it's as if we are in a constant spin cycle of negative events, going from one negative thing to another, and that before one can close out and any accountability can be brought to bear, that we just move to the next negative story. Now, listen, We're not a bunch of negative Nancys here on this show. I'm married to the most positive woman on the face of the earth. She can find the sunny side of a dark moment any day of the week. And I would also say that, generally speaking, I tend to see the glass being half full. But on the question of accountability, I I think she's nailed it. In fact, it, it might even be an intentional thing when you get down to it. You overwhelm us with difficulty and then do a horrible job of fixing it before anyone can get their feet under them or ask too many questions. We just jump to the next negative news. I mean, think about the last two-plus years under Biden. COVID was underway when he took office as if that wasn't bad enough, but we were then verbally assaulted if we questioned the narrative that we now know to be true, namely that COVID came from China, likely from a Chinese biolab. And before we could get that process, we were told that vaccinations were going to be compulsory, that we could lose our jobs, any jobs of any kind, never mind that pesky little freedom of assembly thing or the freedom of speech or freedom of due process. I mean, has anyone lost their position? Has anyone apologized in an official capacity for ruining the lives of scores of citizens? Mm, Not that I can recall. And then before we can get that whole vaccine, COVID vaccine mess measured out and put to rest, the most awful military decision-making in modern history was foisted on the collective consciences of Americans as all the blood and the treasure left on the ground in Afghanistan was just squandered. Thirteen more lives of brave young men and women were lost at the gates of the Kabul airport. And 1,000 or more U.S. citizens and billions of dollars in aid and equipment were abandoned. And veterans watched as the efforts of 20 years of service were denigrated. 
Has anyone lost their job? Has anyone been truly called on the carpet for that Afghanistan debacle? Not that I can recall. But before we could fully process that debacle, we faced the fact that the human toll of the southern border was reaching cataclysmic levels. I mean, since Biden took office, the U.S. has actually grown by over 1% in population just because of illegal crossings. Imagine that. Nearly 5 million illegals, human trafficking, cost to cities and counties and states in the billions, and over 100,000 deaths of U.S. citizens from fentanyl, which is largely tracked across that southern border. But is, is anybody owning the issue? I mean, is anyone at risk of losing their job for mismanaging our border? Eh, not yet. But then we quickly realized, by the way, that you can't pay attention to the southern border because you got so much going on in the transportation sector. Secretary of Transportation, though, was on paternity leave or vacation or something. The supply chain logjam at the ports of California, the rail strike that was and wasn't and was again. The FAA systems that crashed and grounded more aircraft in U.S. history than at any time since 9-11. Multiple train derailments, to include the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Is, is anyone accountable for this yet? Is anyone being called in to explain? Not that we can truly see. Now, I could go on and on. And truthfully, I'm not prone to simple gripe sessions. I've said many times this show is not intended to devolve into a mere series of gripes. So here's my solution. My solution is we cannot just shrug it off. That's the solution. We cannot allow ourselves to just shrug our shoulders. You heard me. Like the man who told me about Uday Hussein bringing the tiger to the restaurant and wreaking havoc on people. That man who told me that story and then just shrugged his shoulders as if to say, but hey, what do you do? But we cannot simply shrug our shoulders. As citizens of an actual free nation, we have to remind each other regularly that we cannot become so accustomed to difficult news or infringements on liberty or mismanagement of our national treasure that we just shrug and say, yeah, what do you do? We have to seek accountability, even if it means keeping a long memory so that we don't forget in the midst of one crisis to hold someone accountable for the last crisis. Now, there's a place for government. I believe that. There is a place for government I believe that it is scriptural and it's just reality. But we have a right to call for good governance. Ronald Reagan once said, quote, Now, so there will be no misunderstanding, it's not my intention to do away with government. It is rather to make it work, to work with us, not over us, to stand by our side, to not ride our back. Government can and must provide opportunity, not smother it. Foster productivity, not stifle it. So, yeah, the bottom line is this. Don't forget the last negative issue as we wade next deep into the next one. Accountability may still be owed. All those things dating back two plus years. There's accountability, but accountability cannot occur if we let ourselves just shrug our shoulders. That's a wrap for the right side way. There you have it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't just shrug our shoulders and go, man, what do you do? It's government, you know, hey, no. No, no, no. We are owed good government. And accountability never happens if you just shrug your shoulders. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Text lines are open, by the way, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. You can call it or text it. If you text it for the very first time, uh, text the word right side. It's all one word, right side. And you'll get an automatic message back that says something like, you know, hey, welcome, you right side ruffian. Tell us your first name and where you're from. And then we'll plug you in the system. I mean, I'm already seeing a bunch of texts coming in. Uh, and so I'll jump over to those here in just a minute. I uh, got somebody held on. Is that Allie? Allie from Athens is on line one. What you doing, my sister? I have got my morale, welfare, and recreation hat on, Colonel. So here we go. Okay. You will remember when we were hanging in the great sandbox, the role of the interpreters who came from the United States to go back to defeat Saddam, and they did it with language. They were brave. They were people. I met a guy named Dennis who had been spun by a fan for 11 days, skewered and had um, salt water put in his wounds. And he came back to interpret. A young man named Saul, who would have been conscripted into Uday's soccer team for the Olympics, oh, wow. escaped, became the captain of his soccer team in his senior year, went on to be amazing, came back to be an interpreter. There was Mr. Aram, who escaped being gassed in Halabza on the day that 180,000 people died. Saddam was already after him, and he told God that the country that would come to liberate Iraq would be the one that he would serve, and he came back to be an interpreter. So what am I saying? And then the Kurds, my words. The Kurds absolutely made our lives as Americans wonderful, and if you went into any place where the Kurds were, you were just about worship. So here's my point, sir. Freedom is not something that can ever be extinguished out of the body politic. And I don't care if you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, I don't care who you are. Tyranny never stands. It will implode from, in, from the inside. And what we have to do is be the ones who can go in and be the interpreters, one among a thousand. And that's who we are. That's Russianness. That's Americanness. That's Christianness. That's Humanness. That's who we are. That's what we're going to do. Our words, our choices, our voices are going to get the job done. Outstanding. Wow, Allie. That's like monologue number two for the show. That's just good stuff. <laughs> well, you got me fired up. It's all your fault, sir. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, my friend. As always, you have a great day. Sure. Bye. All right. See you. She's she's she nailed it. I mean, she's right. She's right. We are not a we are not a nation that sits still. So whether it be something within or without our nation, if it affects our people, at some point, someone's going to quit shrugging their shoulders. They're going to go, by God, there is something that needs to be done here. And that, and that, you know what, that is not in every nation, by the way. It, it, freedom is, is something that some people have so not experienced. I've said it before on here, but I'll say it again. In fact, it's on the recommended reading list on our website, rightsideradio.org. You can go on there. One of the books that is, um, that is posted on that recommended reading list is called Escape from Camp 14. And it's a story of a young man who was actually born in a North Korean gulag. He didn't, he didn't even know what life was like outside the wire. He had no concept of freedom, nothing. But one day, something in his, you know, in his, in, in his self just said, I need to know what's out there. And so it's his story. But, but reading, reading his story in detail, you get an understanding of what it means to have a nation so beaten down, so subjugated, that the idea of questioning whether you're allowed to have freedom in itself was a scary thought. 
but it's because there's no accountability, zero accountability. And so, yeah, I mean, I recommend Escape from Camp 14 in a big, big way. Um, so, uh, yeah, good stuff. Text lines, like I said, are indeed open. Um, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, uh, JT from Lacey Springs says the Hussein Tiger story brings chills uh, as the evil some can exert on others. I, I agree, man. I have, um, I have told that story to multiple people over time. It just freaks me out every time I think about it. The very idea you can be that heinous, that, that so far gone that you don't see a thing wrong with having the power and the, you know, the lack of accountability to go get the tiger out of the zoo and turn it loose in a restaurant just to watch and see what happens. But, but, the, but the thing that got me, though, was not just the story. It was like I said in my monologue. It was the guy afterwards who told me the story who, like, shrugged his shoulders. Like, what do you do? You know, hey, what do you do? What do you do? Well, um, you know, say what you want about the war in Iraq, but there was a group of people. There was a, there was a whole population of people there um, that had an opportunity for life that they never would have had before. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, we got tons of stuff on this show. We're going to come right back with the first part of the Triple Dipper, Broken Windows. I'm going to spend some time unpacking the fact that it's obvious that the American public ain't shrugging their shoulders when it comes to crime. It's becoming more and more a thing. We saw an election last night. Lori Lightfoot is out. The, 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 the evil priestess of Chicago is out. She is no longer going to be the mayor. And what was the, what was the thing that dragged her away from her office? Crime. The idea of being soft on crime. The idea that the people did not feel safe in their own city anymore. And she was supposed to be in charge. So, yeah. Um, the, 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 the question is, how long did it take for people to shrug their shoulders? Well, not as long as you might think in political realm. Because she's the first mayor of Chicago to never win, to not win re-election. How about that? All right, folks. Phil Williams. Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We will be right back. <laughs> 